What did we learn from the Aggies' 23-21 win over the Arkansas Razorbacks? All that and more on this episode of the Locked On Aggies podcast. You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Locked On Aggies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Joey Ikes. Thanks so much for making Locked On Aggies your first listen. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, and we're also on YouTube, so please check us out there. I'm joined once again today by my good buddy, Cameron Honesty. We're going to talk about this Arkansas game, (laughs) and to do that, what a psycho game first of all uh, and to <laughs> do that we are going to look through the article that you wrote for Aggie's Wire where we both do our our writing and our pontificating through the written word there uh, five things we learned from the 23 to 21 win over the Arkansas Razorbacks and the number one thing and I think it was something that I covered in my recap podcast right after the game was that Max Johnson really seems to be the guy for the job here, um, both because of the poise and the ability to handle the pressure in the big situation, but also the ability to really go out and make a dynamic play here and there whenever you need it, which when you have a big talent roster like this, that's really what you need from your quarterback. Yeah. So, um, and that's the thing. It's it's one of the um, it's one of the things that I think everybody's paying attention to. And when we went into this game, obviously this was going to be the toughest matchup they've had yet. And um, <laughs> after Miami last week, that was that was the first start, first career start for Max Johnson with Texas A and M. We didn't know what we were going to get from him right away. You had some flashes of, like you said, poison the pocket, getting the ball out quickly, like quick release, obviously. And, you know, just a sense of he, you know, he was taking control of the offense. And I think that was the term that a lot of uh, fans were using. They felt comfortable knowing when he was going to get in there, you know, you didn't have to worry about, you know, throwing an interception right away or not, or not, you know, taking control of the situation, especially with, you know, pass rush, getting in your face, getting out to your outlet guy, you know, just those situational things that you need to know as a quarterback and especially in the SEC against really good defenses every week that you're going to face that you need to know your situational football very, very well. But coming into that game, um, there were, there were still question marks with the offense, obviously. And we have said before, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to change overnight. You know, they're not going to go into next week, you know, against Mississippi state. And all of a sudden uh, Max Johnson is going to throw for 350 to 400 yards. You know, that's just not how it works. If it does happen. Well, I mean, that's football randomly things like that happen, but we, we were expecting that minor improvements each week from max were going to be the thing we'd be looking at. And it's not going to be, like I said, it's not going to be huge, but those incremental changes and everything with him as a leader to, um, to working with the wide receiver group he has and getting in, in this game, he finally got his weapons back. I don't mean to go off cuff, so we'll stick to the game. Um, so getting Evan Stewart back was huge, and he did make his his uh, his his um, 
presence felt pretty early. I think he finished with about three uh, three receptions or more for about 39 yards. Um, and that doesn't seem like a lot on paper, but when they needed to move the chains, he was there. And him uh, combined with tight end Donovan Green, who had, you know, really showed us how good he is. Another freshman, you know, showed up. And really the bulk of the receiving was Evan Stewart, Donovan Green. I think Anais had uh, a catch there, a pretty big one for a conversion. Um, and then a couple other guys uh, stepped in there. But but Evan was huge, and he found him early and often. And one of the only touchdowns, offensive touchdowns in the game was to Evan Stewart on that beautiful kind of lob pass. I mean, he was dropping back off his back foot and just kind of dropped it right in. And Stewart made a great catch, and that cut the lead to 14-7. And then obviously, you know, we'll probably talk about this later, the, the incredible 82-yard fumble return by Damani Richardson that – that uh, made it a 14-13 after the missed extra point, and then the game was changed immediately going into halftime. But either way, going back to Max, you know, the the uh, the passing yards, the completion rate is about 52% overall. It wasn't that great, but that look, that doesn't matter to me right now. He's going to keep getting better, and he's not going to face the same defense. And we were saying it all week that Arkansas had a bad pass defense, and he did take advantage of it a couple times. Now, there were times when he threw a per- perfect passes and they were dropped. He threw a perfect uh, pa- a deep pass to, to Moose Muhammad. And if Moose would have just kind of kept running under it, you know, that would have been a huge gain. And I mean, so that's not on Max Johnson. That's just drops happen. So overall, he had a great game. And again, he took control of the offense. I never felt watching that um, that you know, they couldn't have success. It's just things happened, you know, and especially going against an Arkansas defense with a great pass rush, a very good linebacker core that got to him a couple times. And again, the Aggies O-line has been, you know, up and down. So you weren't expecting them to have their breakout game yet. But overall, he did a fantastic job and I'm excited to see him next weekend. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your next thing that we learned and I'll put this in my wording that I like to use when Devon A. Chain makes a play. Uh, Devon A. Chain is good at the football. <laughs> That's as basic as it should be. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So Devon A. Chain in the game had 159 yards rushing, 15 yards receiving, 174 total yards from scrimmage. No kick return or punt return yardage yeah. in this game because uh, uh, somebody on the Arkansas sideline decided to be intelligent on yeah. Saturday night. <laughs> um, but, you know, the 63-yard run that is really the, the play that sort of unlocked the gate for A&M offensively mm-hmm. um, was just a huge play. And he is, you know, Devon A-Chain is everything for this A&M offense at this point. Yeah. Yeah, and I yeah I agree, and that's the thing. He's he's a guy that I just do not worry about at all. And a lot of people, um, you know, coming out of the season opener against Sam Houston State, there were a lot of problems offensively. So the fact that he wasn't getting the same amount of yardage per per rush, you know, and and really just was having an off first half, he did pick it up in the second half. He had he had a great second half. He led, that led to his score, and that I, I really that second half of the opener was when I didn't worry about him anymore. I knew that he was going to come out and get his every game because no matter how the O line is blocking, he's still going to find a hole. He he has one of the most. Inc- I mean, his burst is incredible. This is a guy that. 
man, NFL uh, scouts are drooling over him right now. They're probably watching every A&M game, and I guarantee they're going to be rushing to the TV or trying to get to the Mississippi State game this weekend because I I have a feeling that Devin will have a really good game this weekend just just based on the defensive matchup. But overall – he is he is your game changer. He's the guy you are going to go to in the in the run game, in the passing game, and he is such a great weapon for someone like Max Johnson, who again is making his third career start. He's getting he's just getting comfortable in the offense. He can always rely on Devin O'Chain, and especially he can always rely on Devin O'Chain with the recent injury to Anaya Smith. So Absolutely. Like I said, he's he's everything to this offense. Exactly. And it's it's phenomenal to have a player like that in the backfield who can impact the game as a runner, as a receiver, and as a return man. And it's just, it's an unbelievable place for the A&M offense to be as they sort of try to find their footing um, in the wide receiver room and at quarterback to just have that stabilizing force for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit before we get to our next couple of points that we learned about our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for football betting information this season. Find all of the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MLB MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to Bet Online or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. And we're gonna we're gonna tie two of these points, two of these things together that we learned. And one of those is that, as we talked about on our on our last podcast, uh, Anaya Smith is gonna be out for the season, but he's gonna continue to be a very large presence for this team off the field and his impact will continue to show on the field. And then we're going to tie that to the idea that Evan Stewart, number one in your program is now also wide receiver. Number one for A&M, even as a true freshman following that Anaya Smith injury. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. Um, Evan Stewart is going to grow up very, very fast. And he always has had to do that. And he showed, and that's the thing I, I have complete confidence in him, not just because he's the five-star receiver, one of the top guys coming out. It's because, you know, after the mistake those guys made and the suspensions that were endure, that occurred um, pre-Miami game, I knew that they were going to grow up very, very, very fast after that because I know what happens within the locker room when these guys get suspended. We've seen it over the years with Jimbo Fisher and what happens after. These guys shape up immediately and they go back to contributing at a high level because they know what's at stake. They know their football future's at stake. They know what they have to do here in order to go to the next level, and they want to succeed here as much as possible. And so really, he know he knows that. He knew that immediately when Anaya Smith went down. And this is the thing about Anaya Smith's injury that I'll, I'll quickly get on, is that losing him as a player is huge. You're losing a, a very explosive, dynamic offensive weapon as somebody who in the punt return game is huge, and obviously in the slot is one of the more probably one of the more feared slot wide receivers in the country, and so you lose that production. But the thing that I want to get to get to to people to understand is that you're not losing that leadership, you're not losing that mentorship that he's going to bring to that young receiver group, because overall 
even without an Isaiah Smith, this is still a very deep wide receiver group because the guys that are going to come in to fill that slot role are both very young, very talented. You'll keep Brown and Moose Muhammad have played, you know, significant snaps to a point. Moose Muhammad played a little bit last year. He has experience in this offense, and obviously you keep Brown has as well, just not as many. But these are both very fast, dynamic receivers who are going to be mentored by Anais Smith. But getting back to Evan Stewart is that he he is playing that X position. And I think a lot of football fans know what that X position does. But also he he's going to be moved around a lot because of his athleticism, because of the way he can stretch the field, and because of his ability to separate. And so we're going to see Evan Stewart probably primarily play that X, but we're going to see him move around a lot. And we're going to see guys like Chris Marshall as well play more minutes put more snaps and that's a legitimate deep threat and that's also a guy who can play the z and he's also a great separator so not only is evan stewart going to become more important chris marshall is going to become more important moose muhammad yuki brown and chase lane all those guys are just going to become more and more important because you're going to have to fill a void because anaya smith no matter what your opinion on his injury was in terms of how he affects the team he affects the team but it's, we're not just going to be those guys who say, well, he affects the play in this way and this way. He's one of the greatest Aggies of all time, in my opinion. He's going to be a guy I will never forget. And I almost teared up thinking about that this was the last time, possibly, that he was going to play for Texas A&M and don the maroon and white. So we got to look at that from the personal standpoint as well. But overall, I'm not very worried. And I know some people might be because you're losing that senior player and now you've got a lot of young guys coming out there and how are the defenses going to key on him but overall Jimbo knows what to do and you got to trust him absolutely all right as we move on to our fifth and final point I'm even going to take your point and I'm going to expand it a little bit sure and you said Antonio Johnson and I'm going to expand it to and the A&M defense yeah is living up to basically every preseason expectation that we held and they still continue to do it a little bit shorthanded on defense. Sure. But Antonio Johnson and the defense, absolutely phenomenal to this point in the season. Yeah, and the biggest surprise to me, and I remember in the preseason doing the profiles, was Chris Russell. This kid has been incredible, and he showed he made his presence felt against Arkansas. And we talked about the 82-yard fumble return. Well, guess who stripped the ball? <laughs> it was Chris Russell. And he had, I mean... You're going against a quarterback in K.J. Jefferson, who is a big man. This is a guy who, when he's coming downhill and you're not ready to take him on or you're not kind of equal to his size, he can run you over. But these guys were not scared of him. And he 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 made him pay a couple times in the first half. And A&M and D.J. Durkin adjusted that defense very well. And those guys started coming after him. And Antonio Johnson finished. And this is the thing. I think I mentioned Antonio because of all the preseason accolades and because he's one of the more favorite kind of Aggies that on the team. And he's a guy that we all know is going to be very successful at the next level and that he was going to come in this season no matter what people were saying and hyping him up. He wasn't going to fail. And he was going, and barring injury, is going to have a fantastic season and is already having a fantastic season. But overall, the defense has been, it's been beautiful to watch because you're seeing a lot of young guys come in and even in three-man fronts, which they've been playing a lot of three-man fronts. I've heard a lot of questions about that. Look, they're they're going to be playing a three-man front this weekend <laughs> because they're playing an, an air raid team, so prepare for more of that. But even with a three-man front, they're getting pressure. And Shamar Stewart is a guy that I've, uh, I've talked about on this podcast a couple times. 
He was getting held a lot in that game, and there's a reason why he was getting held a lot because he is just a bull rusher, man. He will just come after you with pure strength, pure grit, and you have to hold him. And that's a kid. That is a young, that's an 18-year-old kid. And so the future is so bright. I mean, it'll blind you at this point. But everybody's contributing and getting guys like McKinley Jackson back, who was a who was a um, who didn't actually dress for the game, which is a little surprising. But that's good that getting him back to 100. percent That's one of your leaders defensively at the nose tackle position. Getting Walter Nolan back was big, and everybody's starting to get pretty healthy. And that's the thing. Gabriel Brown Dindy's another guy who's going to contribute in that pass rush. But overall. You know, Antonio Johnson is the leader of this team. He's the leader of this defense, and he's doing his job. Damani Richardson has been fantastic. Tyreek Chappelle has been great. Jalen Jones, when he returned last week, has been great. And I could do this all day, but, you know, we don't have time. So, overall, I, I'm not worried about this defense, and I and I know even, like, next week – or this weekend, I'm sorry uh, – adjustments we made. And they've been doing a fantastic job with that. I think that's one of the things that DJ Durkin has been a little better at than maybe Mike Elko. Mike Elko was fantastic. But it's a little different of how he uses the players, how he adjusts to these way, much different offenses coming up every week. And he finally has, I guess, more athletes to do that this year. So, Yep. And the, the thing about the, the three-down, four-down deal yeah. is, <laughs> you know, even as you look across the NFL, in terms of base defense when it's not pure pass rush situation, yeah, so many of these teams are playing three down, and it's oh, not yeah. a it's not a you know a traditional three four mm-hmm. in that you know there's not you know true five techniques playing on the outside shoulder of the tackle and all this other kind of stuff. But yeah. especially when you're a team like A and M that is significantly I would argue better on the interior of the defensive line than you are on the edge Um, a lot of times you're better off playing three down and having two or three of those two or even all three of those guys be interior defensive linemen and have you know some of your linebackers and defensive backs serve as those second level defenders or that fourth rusher and create the mystery of where the fourth and fifth rusher is going to come from as opposed to lining up if you've got if you've got the guys, if you've got the horses, yeah. line it up four down, spread them out, put them wide, rush from nine techniques and four eye techniques and just take off sure. at the outside shoulder of those guys is a fantastic way to play defense. And it's incredibly fun to watch whenever it's working mm-hmm. well. But one thing, the one spot AM doesn't really just have dudes at right now that are just bona fide, experienced, skilled, plus explosive, all that kind of stuff is on the edge. They got yeah. they got players there who are playing with phenomenal effort and they're learning and developing, but they're super young. And yeah. because of that, they don't have the horses to play on the edge. So they're going to play a little bit more condensed on the front and let the defensive line or let the linebackers who are playing pretty well, Edgerin Cooper and and, mm-hmm. and Chris Russell, like you mentioned, as well as guys like Damani Richardson and Antonio Johnson to play in and around and off of those three man fronts in order to to control the running game. And be able to generate pass rush as well. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's yep. a great explanation. I mean, that that's the thing. It's you got to really look into the football. You got to look into why they're doing these things. And a guy that I always think of that that really exemplifies why they're doing that is someone like Anthony Lucas, who's young, but that is a man who can play inside and out. And that is a strong defensive end. That is somebody that he perfectly fits that three man front. So. Yep. And thank Absolutely. you for mentoring. Thank you for mentoring Edron Cooper. I totally forgot about. He's been fantastic as well. They've all been Absolutely. so good. So, you know, it's, that's one of those positions that a lot of folks said, you know, AM should have done more at that position coming into the yeah. season. 
it's hard to argue that just because, you know, you lost Andre White already this season. You know, you you didn't have a ton of just bona fide depth there. Um, but sometimes you get these, you know, a lack of depth, a lack of 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 established depth creates these yeah. opportunities for these for these unsung guys like Chris Russell to step up into, you know, being the second leading tackler on the team and making the biggest play of the game. And you keep calling it an 82 yard fumble recovery. I'm calling it 98 because when <laughs> when we have when we have pitchers throw a combined no hitter in baseball, we don't call it six innings of no hit ball. We call it a no hitter. Yeah. And so I'm calling it a 99 yard fumble uh, yeah. return. Even though that. even if the statistics book calls it 82, I'm calling it 99. <laughs> I mean, t- he did. He, you know, he smacked the ball away, and the ball kind of rolled, and then tired. So yeah, I technically, I would say. I agree. But he fumbled at the one yard line. It's a 99 yard return if you score. <laughs> yeah. That's that's in my book. That's yeah. you know, who cares what the official statistics say? Yeah, don't take those yards away from those guys. They earned them. <laughs> Absolutely. And these days, every potential new hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100 percent certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You know, I've told you guys before that most of the most of the jobs that I've found throughout my career have been found on LinkedIn. And this goes all the way back to 2012. And I can just tell you guys the advances that the folks over at LinkedIn have made from the candidate side to make it easier to find and more attractive to find really good jobs on LinkedIn is the same reason why from the hiring standpoint you really want to leverage what linkedin jobs has to offer so it's extremely easy to go into linkedin jobs and create your free job post then take that job add it to your profile and add the purple hiring frame to your picture and spread the word that you're hiring simple tools like screening questions which i mentioned before are key to help candidates find the right role also make it easy for you to find the right candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's extremely important for your small business to finish the year strong and the right team member might be just the thing you need to help you do that. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions may apply. All right, Cameron, we're going to turn our attention now to the Mississippi State Bulldogs. The Fighting Mike Leeches. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) As an individual with an affinity for Mike Leach that dates back to his time at Texas Tech and even predates yeah. that, you know, back to there. If you find my old laptops from 2007 or 2008, <laughs> somewhere in there, there's a copy of the Oklahoma offensive playbook oh, from God. about 2000, <laughs> whenever he was the offensive coordinator of yeah. those national championship level teams. So I have, <laughs> I have a special affinity in my heart for Mike Leach. And oh, somewhere on my bookshelf somewhere, there's a copy of Swing Your Sword, which is his sort of uh, his memoirs or, or autobiography or however you want to word it. Still need to uh, read it. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, it's pretty phenomenal, to be honest. Yeah. He's, quite, he's quite the character. Um, and 
We're going to go to our friends at Bet Online that we talked about earlier in the show to help us preview this game as we've done the last couple of weeks. And the line on this game, the spread is AM plus three and a half. And, you know, just like we've talked about the last few weeks, we're going to go ahead and go to the point total too. The point total here is only 44 and a half. Wow. So we're talking about, yeah, we're talking about a Mississippi <laughs> State team and, and everything that do, they do offensively. Mike yeah. Leach, the coach, Will Rogers, the phenomenal quarterback. And Bet Online says, hey, you know, AM is going to win this game, you know, call it 23 and a half to 20 or 20, you know, something, something like that. There, yeah. 24 <laughs> to 21 or something, yeah. basically somewhere in that 20, yeah, 20, some. Somewhere in that neighborhood. <laughs> there, there are guys who, who do a lot more sports gambling and leverage and point us, totals yeah. for DFS and all that kind of stuff that they could tell you a three-and-a-half point spread on a 44-and-a-half <laughs> point total and tell you the implied score very quickly. Yeah. That's not me. But <laughs> over under 44-and-a-half with A&M plus three-and-a-half, what are your initial thoughts on the lines, Cameron? Yeah, that's, that's interesting because – I mean, and we just we br- I briefly mentioned that how you know AM's defense, like anybody who plays them, is going to have to adjust to that error rate, and they're they're a new type of error rate. They're kind of he he will run the ball if he has to, and I and I watched, um, I think watched one of the first games. I think it was Week Two against Arizona. They run the they ran the ball pretty efficiently because they had to run the ball. It, Arizona had adjusted well to the pass, and you know they had the athletes to do it. So this is this is not a team where you. You, you go in thinking they're going to throw the ball 60 times. You know, Will Rogers did that last weekend. So, I mean, it's possible. And that's how the offense, how the offense dictates. But, yeah, I, I don't know. That's a weird line for this game specifically because I know that Mississippi State has a good defense. I don't know if their defense overall is that much better than the team's Aside from, you know, the Miamis or then then uh, Arkansas and Arkansas's pass defense is bad, but their run defense was pretty good. So I think they're pretty, you know, pretty decent. I think they're they're going to be a good challenge for AM's offense. Um, but yeah, that's that's a lot of faith in AM's defense adjusting well, obviously. So, I mean, that that's a, that's interesting. I, I I thought they would have gone a little higher because they thought, you know, AM would come in and, you know, allow some explosive plays just because they're passing the ball so much. But, hey, that's confidence in A&M's D. Yeah, I think that's what it really boils down to is bet online specifically and Vegas as a whole seems to have a really high level of confidence in the A&M defense, yeah. especially considering, you know, Mississippi State is averaging a little over 37 points per game on their yeah. own um, <laughs> for the season. And so – that is a that's a pretty phenomenal number. I mean, and and in two of their two of their four games so far, they've scored over forty points. Now, one of them was Bowling Green, and the other one was yeah. Memphis. But hey, you got to play the people in front of you, and exactly. uh, and they also they scored thirty nine against Arizona. They did only score sixteen against LSU, but they had a lead in that game before LSU yeah. really uh, really clamped it down. So, yeah. uh, I think that's really the overarching point on the point total piece is there is a growing sense of stability and confidence, not just from fans and media like us, but from the folks who really stand to benefit the most from understanding this stuff Yeah, uh, in 
okay, A&M is going to keep their opponents below their regular scoring pace. Yeah. Um, pretty much anybody that they play against. So we'll see if that continues to hold true, you know, next week as we play Alabama and as we get into some, some of these other schools. But as we get into the, to the season, you know, Arkansas and Mississippi state were two of those who we thought, you know, they're going to get into these more difficult offenses to defend. And are they going to be able to do that? And, you know, here we are through, through the Arkansas game and they were able to do that. And so if we, if we continue to see them play at that level, Basically, what that's doing is that's just buying time for this offense to just continue exactly. to, develop, to continue yeah. to develop until hopefully, you know, you can win you can win some games twenty three to twenty one or you know seventeen to nine or these sort of uninspiring scores. Um, may, maybe you go beat Mississippi State, you know, twenty four to twenty and a half. I think would be the <laughs> the right way to word that implied line as I sit here and look yeah. at it again. Um, but I think that's really the the overarching point is that there's just so much the the way this defense is playing is just um it just stabilizes everything. Yeah. And I mean yeah. they're they're yeah, and basically it's it's it goes back to my original point is that they don't believe that AM's offense is just gonna explode. You know, right. they just don't think that's gonna happen. They know you know what you have in the defense, you know the athletes they have, you know that they're gonna get better and better each week. So you trust that, and especially in the broadcast, that was had to be annoying if G.J. Durkin heard that about, well, Arkansas had scored 50 points when he was at Auburn, defensive court, or when he was at um, Mississippi, and they scored 50 points on his defense. And, I mean, he kept, you know, like, he can't adjust. And, you know, finally, I think this is a little comeuppance for him in that, and for everybody who he's played against recently of, look, I'm at A&M now. I know what I'm doing and this is going to be the strength of this team going forward. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one other line that we'll look at before we get out of here is. Will any team score 40 points? And I think what this is really saying is will A&M allow Mississippi state to score 40 points? Because I don't think, you know, considering they scored 31 against Sam Houston State, and that stands now four weeks into the season as their highest point total of the year. Um, you know, yes, it's plus 538, which means it's, you know, basically five to one. And no is minus 11, basically minus 1100. So, <laughs> yeah. So basically, what they're saying is, we know you're going to say no team is going to score 40 points. So if you want to win any money by betting no on this 40 point over under for a single team, you have to throw an absurd amount of money at this to win anything. And I think that that really that really sort of points out the point that we're that we're making overall on this thing is that I'll say it this way the only line anywhere close to that plus that minus 1100 that that bet online has right now is will there be overtime is that minus 2000 and, yeah. and there's there's nothing else that's you know even over 500 you know even minus 500 or more so it it really just shows you vegas really a doesn't believe in this a&m offense all that much but b they believe very very strongly in this a&m defense to be able to, in spite of the fact that they're not getting a ton of help and playing with big leads, to be able to hold their opponents down. 
Yeah, and the short last short point is that they beat AM last year. So there's some revenge for Jimbo Fisher. And that was one of the more embarrassing losses for them with the same quarterback and a lot of the same offense coming back. So this is a game that Jimbo's not going to come into and get blown out. <laughs> like that's I just don't see that happening. This and so we could say the same next weekend with Alabama, and I'm not going there yet, but we could say the same thing there of, you know, Nick Saban, you know, it's revenge. So this isn't going to happen here with this point total. But I mean, I understand why they're looking that way. And um, those matter, those rivalry, those, you know, you beat me last year, you beat me last. Those matter when you start betting on these teams. So, yep, absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight. Hey, thanks for making Locked on Aggies your first Listen, I am your host, Joey Ikes. You can find me on Twitter at Joey Ikes. You can find Cameron on Twitter at Cameron Honesty. And the last name is O-H-N-Y-S-T-Y. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Aggies. And please check us out on YouTube, Locked On Aggies as well. Like, comment, share, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you get notified every time we post a new video. And so that... We can help grow this channel and give you guys the best AM coverage that we can. What, now that you've made Locked On Aggies your first listen, go check out Locked On SEC with Chris Gordy and the experts of Locked On. We'll take you around the SEC in 30 minutes or less every single day. Thanks so much, guys. We will catch you tomorrow.